Good evening. Welcome to Good Friday service. So good to see all of you. You know, I'm actually putting my hand in my pocket right now. I'm just realizing there's something I do. By the way, if I haven't met you yet, if this is your first time, we're glad that you joined us. My name is Jason. I get the privilege of being pastor here. And um, there's something I've been doing nearly every Sunday morning. We're, we're on like week six of this. And it usually happens. I come up here and I put my hands in my pocket and I realize I left something in my pocket. And it's always a pacifier. Come on. <laughs> That's dad, that's dad life right there. Coming to church, like, what is, what is my, all right, so here's the pacifier right there. I'm doing it again. It's Friday night, and I'm still doing the pacifier is in the pocket. It's a little distracting. If you've noticed, I mean, every now and then I have one of these moments where the hand goes in the pop, pocket, and I just kind of stutter. Uh, uh, that's what it is. There you go. Now you know. From now on, I'll pull it out with the pocket. Hey, listen, this is, this is a Good Friday service, so I don't know, maybe depending on your church background, your church history, maybe this may not be something you've ever done observe a Good Friday service. Good Friday is a little bit different. The, the service is, you know, normally you come here on a Sunday morning and it's upbeat and it, it's, uh, there's just, it's just upbeat. There's, it's a little bit different. And, and today, Good Friday is a little different than that. It, it, in fact, there's a, one way to think about it is it's basically a funeral. I mean, if th- this is a funeral service. This is the day we celebrate the fact that Jesus went to the cross for us. And this, we're looking back 2,000 years ago at this moment, Jesus is on a cross. And so you may even notice our team, myself, we're wearing black today. Why? Because, well, this is a funeral. And, um, and that's what we're going to do. And see, this, this is the thing about experiencing this great joy and moment of celebration that we know we get to have on Sunday morning. But see, you don't really get to, you don't really appreciate the heights of that celebration unless you really understand the depth of like where we were coming from, where we came from. Because, that, because on Friday, on today, it seemed like all hope was lost. Which is why Sunday morning, when resurrection comes, it feels like we just gained the entire world. We gained everything. You know, uh, especially this week, on a week like this, you know, we're coming in here and this is a funeral service. And I think a week like this where our community, we, you know, we, the tragedy we all had to read about, some of us had, hit us, some of us closer to home than others. And you see something like that and just terrible tragedy. And one thing that I've found comfort in that um, I think all of us can find comfort in, whether it's this tragedy this week, those of the past or those unfortunately we'll have to weather in the future. It's this, is that you can always count on this, that Jesus understands. You, you, can, you, can, you can count on that. Jesus does understand. There's this Verse we're going to go to, we're going to go to Matthew 27, and um, there's, Jesus is on the cross, and in this moment, Jesus is hanging on the cross, he could have said all kinds of things, we think about it, he's coming to the end, I mean, he has, he, he, he has very little breath left, very little energy, he could have said anything in this moment, yet this is one of the things he chooses to say, he, he says at first, this is Aramaic, he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Why have you forsaken me? And you got to put yourself in the shoes of these first century Jews who are following him. you got to put yourself in, in their spot because they're sitting at the base of the cross and they're looking and they're hearing Jesus cry out with these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I'm, I imagine there's all kinds of things that are running through your head as you're listening to Jesus say these words. Did Jesus, I mean, he's the God Man, did, is he up there is in this moment? Is he thinking, wait a second, maybe I didn't have it right. Maybe it was wrong. 
Is he, is he going, wait, what, what, why, what is he saying? What, what happened? I thought, in, in one sense, they're, they're standing there, you know, just Sunday, last Sunday, they're waving palm branches because this is their political savior. This is the one that's going to usher in a new nation. He's going to change everything. But now he's up on a cross and he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, this was the, that was the first Good Friday in that moment. First Good Friday, they just didn't know it was good. They didn't, they didn't quite get it. And see, for us and for them, it's a little different because in their moment, see, they, we have Sunday morning. They don't have Sunday morning yet. They just got Friday. It's just Friday. It's Friday and everything they had hoped for, everything that they'd invested in, their entire life right there, hanging on a cross, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know what this tells me? I think it tells every one of us. It's possible, to, it's possible to know God and yet find yourself asking, God, where are you? It's possible to be in that situation. I know God, but in this moment, God, where, where are you? Where are you at? I think it's worth asking, though, what did Jesus even mean by this? What did he mean by this? My God, my God, where, why have you forsaken me? What's he, what's he getting at? See, see for Jesus, for, for us, we read scripture by chapter and verse. So if I, if I was going to go tell you to turn to a psalm, you'd say, which one? And I'd tell you the chapter, and then I'd tell you the verse to go to. But see, they didn't have chapter and verses back then. See, the way they memorized psalms is they would memorize psalms based on the first line. And so if you were to say, the Lord is my shepherd, everybody would open up to Psalm 23, and if you didn't know that, now you do. Okay, Psalm 23, they would recognize it by the first line. And that, that, would, that would be an indication of as to which psalm that they're going to. And so here's Jesus. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Go to Psalm 22, verse 1. What's the first line of this psalm? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, there's something there's something to this. Jesus is wanting to draw our attention to something here. There's, there's a lot more at work than maybe meets the eye. Here's Jesus telling all of us, hold on a second. Remember Psalm 22. Look at verse 18. Psalm 22, verse 18. It says, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. This is David, by the way. A thousand years before Jesus. What's he talking about? Go to, go, to, go to Matthew 27, verse 35. What's it say? It says, then they crucified him and divided his, his garments, casting lots. Wait, wait, this is all playing out a thousand years ago. Here it is. Jesus, it's all, it's all playing out. But why is David, this is a guy named David that writes, what is David writing about because if you know the story of David I mean I know David and Goliath I know David and Saul but I don't know this part like when did they do this to David what's he talking about well he gives us a little bit of insight look chapter 22 look at verse look at verse 16 he says for dogs have surrounded me the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me see there's a little bit of insight see David's being chased He's being chased and he refers to them as dogs. And see, he wouldn't have known this at the time. He didn't know the depth of what he was actually writing at the time. But he, he writes this and see, there's a little bit of irony in this because the Romans who are crucifying Jesus in this moment, they were notorious for crucifixion. They were notorious for it. And there's records of them crucifying thousands. And it was brutal. But see, if, if you didn't have a loved one to come and retrieve your body, 
the dogs would come and retrieve your body. And all too often, that's exactly what happened. And so here's David and gives us a little bit of insight into where he's at and what he's writing about. Look at the next part of that verse. He says, they pierced my hands and my feet. David's, David's writing this. And then we, Mark, Mark 15, and what do we see? What they do to Jesus. Now it was the third hour and they crucified him. They pierced his hands and they pierced his feet. See, David, he's writing poetry. But he's writing a lot more than poetry. See, he's, he's writing prophecy. He's writing prophecy. And I know for some of us, we think prophecy, it's a little bit, it's a little bit taboo. Like, what is that? It's like Christian fortune telling or something. We don't really know. What is this prophecy stuff about? And it's a little bit more than that. There's, there's a little bit more depth to it than that. Because here's Jesus going, hey, don't, don't forget about that prophecy. Go back, read that prophecy. Look at Psalm 22, verses 7 and 8. He says, all those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Look at Matthew 27. Look what it's recorded for Jesus. He says, and those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, he trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. This is a thousand years. David wrote this a thousand years before this. And then here's Jesus. A thousand years later. And it's all playing out. It's all happening. And Jesus is, is recalling back to this psalm. He's, he, that's the first line. He says, go back and read that psalm. Why? Why? Why go back and read this, this prophecy? And here's why. Because what looks like defeat is actually victory. What looks like hopelessness is actually full of hope. What, like all your dreams are up there. Everything that you've invested, everything that you, you thought brought value to your life is hanging right there on the cross. And Jesus is going, hold on a second. Things aren't all that they seem. It looks like defeat, but it's actually an incredible victory. And see, we should have known that. I mean, we, we, we did know that. I mean, this is, this is who God is. This is his character. I mean, we, we read back in the Psalms, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear any evil. Why? Because you're with me. Like he's the God that's with us. He's the God that comes to us. He's the God that's in our stuff. He's the God that's in the middle of it all with, with us. That's who, that's who we worship. That's our God. In fact, that's what he even told Joseph when Jesus is, is about to be born. He, the angel comes to Joseph and he says, hey, you're going to call him Jesus because he's going to take away the sins of the world. Emmanuel, God with us. He's with us. His last words is, is he sends out disciples before he ascends. What's he say to his disciples? Don't have any fear. I'm, I'm with you. And this is what he's calling us back to. And see, for a lot of us, we have tragedy. And this was a tragic moment. And a lot of us have experienced tragedy, shame, regret. And here's Jesus in this moment. And he's reminding us, in the middle of your tragedy, your, tra your tragedy I'm with you. In the middle of your shame, I'm with you. In the middle of all your regret, I'm there. I'm there. I didn't, I, I'm not going anywhere. Now, I don't know, depending on, again, your church background and, and where you came from. You know, I, I, I know sometimes there's this, like, this misconception about faith. We have this idea, well, hold on a second. We, we can't admit. We can't admit that we're carrying a certain load of shame. We can't, we can't admit that we have regrets in our life. We can't, ad, we can't admit these things that, that, we're, that we're in pain. Like you can't say that. After all, where's your faith at? You can't, you can't say that, right? 
We have this idea that faith is somehow this like, oh, this overcommitment to staying positive no matter what. And that's just not what it is. In fact, I think when we look at Jesus, when I think when we look at Jesus and we see Jesus here crying out to his father, father, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, I think in a moment like that, where you feel this, where these emotions are coming up, I think maybe there's no greater step of faith than in a moment like that to call out to God when all your circumstances around you tell you, he's not here. He's not here. In a moment when you feel forsaken. Forsaken. Here's Jesus on the cross. The lowest point, and yet the highest, all the same time. Lowest point. And what's he doing? He's still ministering to us in that moment. He's, he's still ministering to us. And you know what he's saying? He's calling us back to God in that moment. He's calling us back even when it feels like he's completely forsaken us. He's calling us back to him. Calling us back to God. He's saying, look up here. I know, I know, I know it looks like defeat. But it's actually victory. And in this moment, I'm taking on the burdens. I'm taking on your shame. I'm taking on the tragedy. I'm taking on the pain. I'm taking on the guilt. Like right now, I'm taking that on myself. That's what Jesus is saying in that moment. He's reminding them. He's reminding them all of this. Like this is the way it's got to be. I'm doing this. And I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for you. Look at Psalm 22, verse 24. He says, For he is not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried out to him, he heard. See, we often think, we often think, oh, God somehow turned his back. God was ignoring him. No, what we read right here is that, no, God heard him. It may not have felt like he was there, but God was there. And he heard him, just like he hears you. He's there. He goes on, 27, he says, All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Verse 31, they will, they will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born. That's you and me. That he has done this. Doesn't that sound familiar? Sounds like John 1930, Jesus crying out, it is finished. He did this. And here's what that means. It means you and me will never be forsaken. You and me, you're never alone. You're not forsaken. He's the one that promises he'll never leave you nor forsake you.